0: lesson eight of part one of a series entitled The Healthy Church. And I do believe this is the last lesson of part one. This lesson is going to transition us into part two of this series. Um, So that's the plan. Beginning next week, we will move into part two of The Healthy Church. So there's seven other lessons you can catch up. You can catch them on uh, YouTube. I've talked about, and I didn't write the number. I think this is the ninth characteristic of a healthy physical body that I am comparing to the body of Christ. And um, I do believe that this is the last characteristic. And then we're going to move into part two. All right. So number nine, a healthy body is adaptable. Everybody say a healthy body is adaptable. Okay. So for those of you, let me just briefly tell you, if this is your first lesson, I am comparing, comparing a physical body, the characteristics and attributes of a healthy physical body to a healthy church. We have to be a healthy church. If we're going to claim to be the church of the living God, then we must be healthy. And I spent the first week showing and establishing through the word of God that the church is the body of Christ and the body of Christ is not infirm. The body of Christ is not weak. The body of Christ is very healthy. Therefore, if we want to claim to be the church of Jesus Christ, we must be healthy. All right. So, and I... I, brought up several attributes. This is the ninth one. So I will start out talking about a healthy physical body, and then I will switch into comparing that spiritually to us as a church, the body of Christ. So what does it mean to be adaptable in regards to the physical human body? I'm going to read based on three websites. If you want to know what these websites are, I'll be happy to share uh, This is not my information. This is what I pulled from the internet. The human body, now as I read this, I want you to think about where I would be going regarding us as a church. The human body readily responds to changing environmental stresses in a variety of biological and cultural ways. We can acclimatize this week. How many of you acclimatized this week? How many of you had to get used to, Mike, I felt so sorry for you if you were out in this. I know Sunday, you said, I got to go to work tomorrow. I felt so sorry. And you know what? You're living and breathing right now. That means you're a healthy body that's adaptable. You did not die in this temperature. So we can acclimatize to a wide range of temperature and humidity. When traveling to high altitudes, our bodies adjust so that our cells still receive sufficient oxygen we also are constantly responding in physiological ways to internal and external stresses such as bacterial and viral infections air and water pollution dietary imbalance and overcrowding this ability to rapidly adapt everybody say rapidly adapt this ability to rapidly adapt to varying environmental conditions has made it possible for us to survive in most regions of the world. Okay, We can live successfully in humid tropical forests, harsh deserts, arctic wastelands, and even densely populated cities with considerable amounts of pollution. Most other animal and plant species are restricted to one or relatively few environments by their more limited adaptability. All right, another website says, human adaptability focuses on the flexibility with which humans, both as individuals and as populations, follow me here, cope with environmental challenges through both biological and behavioral or cultural means. And then the third one says, humans have biological plasticity or an ability to adapt to our environment. And adaptation is any variation that can increase one's biological fitness in a specific environment. More simply, it is the successful, everybody say successful, successful interaction, everybody say successful interaction. of a population. Where am I going with this? And what does this have to do with the church? The ability to handle less than ideal environments, circumstances, situations, etc., is necessary in order for us, the church, to be effective. All right, so let me say that again. The ability For us to handle less than ideal environments, circumstances, situations is necessary if we are going to be effective, all right? So, do not be insulted, Mike, because Cammie puts me to shame here, but I am what would be called a fair-weather hunter. I like to hunt between 55 and 75 degrees, after I've had plenty of time to wake up, and I've already had my coffee, so I want to hunt around 11 in the afternoon. (laughs) And um, that's probably why I only have one little lopsided spike that was probably so embarrassed to be alive that he let me kill him. He had uh, two (laughs) on this side and one on this side. (laughs) So I'm a fair weather hunter and that's why I don't kill anything because I don't want to go out in what would be considered the prime conditions for hunting, which means I'd have to get up when it's still dark outside and I would have to go when it's cold. So therefore, I'm not effective. Okay? But now let's think about fair-weather Christian. I wrote down fair-weather Christian, and then I said, there's no such thing. You may claim to be a Christian, but if you are a fair-weather Christian, there's no such thing, all right? So we're going to talk about we cannot be a fair-weather church. A a fair-weather church Made up of fair weather Christians will not bear much fruit. Why? Because the harvest, I don't know why the air conditioner is on, but it is cold, baby, cold. <laughs> Jeremy Driver, probably. Normally I'm hot, so um, it's okay. It's, I think it's just blowing on me and it's probably going to keep me from getting hot. It's blowing everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Kayla can just, just the fan is good. Kayla's good. She's on top of it. My husband, yes. She said, your husband. <laughs> so look here. The harvest is often most ripe under extreme circumstances. Therefore, a fair weather church misses out on a ripe Harvest. Prime example, this house was a fourth of this pre 2020. Everything was great. Life was great. Country was great. Economy was great. Harvest, not ripe. Why? Everybody could make it without God, so they thought. The thing is, If we are going to be a church that's going to be effective, then we have to be able to adapt to extreme environments because those are the environments and the circumstances in which the harvest is most ripe. So why would I spend an entire Wednesday night on the subject of adaptability? This is the lesson that has taken four weeks to finally get out. It's because we can not afford to be a church of fair-weather Christians where please perk your ears, ears up. where the circumstances have to fit our likes and dislikes. The harvest has to be available when it's convenient for us and the conditions must always be fun exciting and make us feel good or we're out of commission. Let's go to what I promised you that I would do. Let's go to the original church in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16. Um, Who is, is that Benjamin? Okay, Ben, we're going to go Acts chapter 16, and I'm going to start with verse 19, and I'm just going to read from there. But let me give you a little uh, preface here. So, the story i'm going to pick up on is paul and silas and they were in a country in a town where a fortune teller was very popular in that in that community okay well they knew that it was the devil operating inside of her so paul said come out of her in the name of jesus And that demon had to come out of her. Well, her bosses who made money, the Bible says, you need to go read Acts chapter 16. They made money on her fortune telling. Let me just tell you, you are giving money to an industry when you do that kind of stuff. Okay. Plus you are opening a lot of doors to demons. You are actually giving a demon a microphone saying, speak into my life. Okay. So when the bosses of this young lady saw that she had been delivered, they were furious. So furious that they took Paul and Silas and you will see what happened. Okay. So that's the story. Bring you up to speed. Acts chapter 16, verse 19. But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. All right, Ben, let's go to verse 22. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they, make sure you hear all of this, and when they had laid many stripes on them, what does that mean? A lot of weapons. Okay. When they had beaten them, in other words, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them not only in prison, but into the inner prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Do you know what that means? They were chained down. Look over to your friend and say, less than ideal. I don't care if you've been in TDCJ for 100 years or Cherokee County Jail for 500 years. That's the Ritz-Carlton compared to what this is, okay? So, inner, this is more like dungeon quality. Feet bound to the floor. In the inner prison with somebody standing guard over them. Let's see how adaptable Paul and Silas were. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. And now, why did they not just say praying? If they had not given us the rest of the story, we would have thought it was Like, now, God, what in the world are you thinking? We've been working for you. We gave our lives for you. Don't you know you're supposed to come through before we're here? No, they weren't just praying. They were praising. It wasn't praying like, deliver us, poor pitiful us. It was praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Not only did they have a good frame of mind and eyes on Jesus, but they're about to bear some really good fruit in less than ideal circumstances. You're about to see the church in action, which is why it's called the book of Acts. You're actually about to see the picture of what we should look like today. So the... the, the keeper of the prison the jailer was about to kill himself but paul called with a loud voice saying do yourself no harm that means they were not so self-absorbed, self absorbed uh, self self focused and self centered they were in they were so adaptable that they actually could be concerned about somebody else in this condition do yourself no harm For we are all here. That also means, do you see exactly what's happening? Why did the jailer think they were gone? And why did he have to say we're here? Because they could have left. They could have left. Everything was open. The way of escape had been made. But they had a bigger purpose. They knew escape For their own good was not what God was calling them to do. Okay? Let's follow this. So he says, we're all here. Do yourself no harm. Then he called for a light, ran in, and fell down trembling. This is the jailer before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. You see fruit? Do you see a harvest? Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into his house... He set food before them and he rejoiced having believed God with all his household. And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officer saying, let those men go. That means they stayed in less than ideal conditions. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go in extreme conditions. An entire household was saved. All right. If you want to give God praise, you can. I'm going to take a drink. (laughs) Okay. 21st century church. That's not adaptable. God, where are you? Why did you not come through? Why am I in this hellacious place? Why am I in this situation? I've done nothing but good. And here you are allowing me in this place right now. I don't deserve this. I'm better than this. Have you seen me do it? Have you seen you do it? What are you thinking, God? Raise your hand if you're guilty of this. What kind of good... Can come from me being in this place right now? God, come on, God. What kind of good can come from me being in this place right now? Has anybody ever done that, said that, felt that? Okay. I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be opened tonight because here was the predicament God loved the jailer. As much as he loved Paul and Silas. God loved the jailer as much as he loved Paul and Silas. And he met Paul where Paul was at on the road to Damascus. See, that's the kingdom of God. God comes to us. Religion says we must go to God. Okay, we believe in the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is God comes down to man. God meets us where we're at. God met Paul where he was at on the road to Damascus and we're all good with that. But God had to meet the jailer where he was at. And where did that jailer live? In the inner prison. His whole family. See, you, you don't see that Paul left to go minister to the family. The next morning, they're still there. Baptized, fed them, whole household, okay? And it wasn't by Skype or Zoom or FaceTime that he ministered to the family. So just like God was willing to meet Paul where he was at He was willing to meet the jailer where he was. I want to ask you this. What if God's love for the jailer required sending someone into the jail that was strong enough to adapt to extreme conditions so that God could move in such a miraculous way that the jailer could not deny it? What if that was the whole purpose for imprisonment? Miracles, this is what I felt like the Lord showed me today. Miracles outside of the jail had already been taken place. We here are in Acts chapter 16. Is that right? Acts chapter 16. Miracles had already been taking place. But I want you to understand here, miracles outside of the jail were not getting the jailer's attention. And God loved him enough that it took sending someone in who was adaptable and could handle extreme conditions so that God could perform a miracle not outside of the jail, inside the jail. So what if they weren't adaptable? Now, I believe yesterday was two weeks. Two weeks ago yesterday, my husband gave his testimony to um, the Celebrate Recovery crowd. So our testimony is really fresh in people's minds right now. And just like covenant, it was real and it was raw. And um, he shared exactly where God's brought us from. I want to um, mention something that my mom spoke. I want to say it was probably two years after our radical transformation. I feel like it had been a couple years since our radical transformation. And my mom said something to me that absolutely struck a note with me. She said, because they walked through it with us, she said, I know I know Brianne that God loves you, but he told me that he loves Jeremy too. And so he doesn't love you more than he loves Jeremy and he desired for you to be saved, but he also desired for Jeremy to be saved and he loved Jeremy so much that he was willing to let you Walk through intense circumstances with Jeremy because he loved Jeremy so much. If you're going through hell with some loved ones, let me tell you why this is happening. I'll never forget the day that my husband wrapped his arms around me, tears streaming down both of our faces, broken. We were humbled. We were desperate for God and we had seen God move. And when he put his arms around me and he wrapped me up, he looked at me with, with tears streaming down his face. And he said to me, which wasn't true. And I knew it wasn't true, but this, this is, this is all for my point. He said, you have saved me. You have saved me. Well, I knew I hadn't saved him, but this is what needed to happen. There was no else on the face of the earth that Jeremy Driver could trust with a radical transformation therefore God said I can't send anybody else through the fire with him I've got to send you through the fire with him and I will not if I show up outside of the fiery furnace It won't do a work. But when I show up in the fiery furnace, everybody's going to see it. So listen, I don't feel a bit sorry for myself. She spoke a lot of wisdom. She said, yes, he loves you. And yes, he loved you, but he loved Jeremy Driver as much as you. And just like he would do whatever it takes to save you, he will do whatever it takes to save. He would and was willing to do whatever it takes to save your husband, even if that means sustaining you in less than ideal conditions. He knew that he could see me through. God knew he could sustain me in what I felt like was unfair conditions if I would have just been willing to adapt. Now, I don't feel sorry for myself, and I'll tell you all, I was a a self-righteous piece of work. God had to change me first. But the reason, the whole reason I'm coming at it from this angle is some of you are saying, God, what are you thinking? What good can come from this? And God is telling me to tell you he has placed you in the dysfunctional family. He has placed you in the dysfunctional circumstance so you can win the dysfunctional family so you can change the dysfunctional circumstance. You are not a victim. He's put you in it to win it. And yes, he loves you, but you look at the dysfunctional people around you. He loves them as much as you. And if you don't see that, then he's got to do a work in you. And the fire is doing more of a work inside of you than you realized. The fire had to do a much bigger... i tell you what. Here's how prophetic it was. I spoke at a women's conference on a Saturday... And I spoke about God showing up in the fiery furnace. I spoke about him showing up as the fourth man in the fiery furnace. That was on a Saturday. And by Monday, two days later, our journey began. 48 hours. Less than 48 hours. I spoke on a Saturday. Monday, I had no idea how our life was going to change. My husband... Had no idea how our life was going to change. That was the beginning of our journey. Now, follow me. It wasn't the end of our journey. It was the beginning of our journey. Outside of the fire, not reaching people. Inside of the fire, reaching the king. And Jeremy Driver is the king. In my life, he is a king. So if you are feeling like a victim, then you have the wrong mindset. And the spirit of the Lord has sent me tonight to tell you it's going to require adaptability. You may make it through this circumstance. And when you do, don't say, "Who? I'm glad that's over. You might as well just say, Lord, I hope I got the strength in that for the next circumstance. Because... Extreme conditions bring the ripest harvest. And fruit is so fulfilling. So God could reach him without me. I knew I wasn't the one that saved him. But there was a chance that I was the only person in the world that could meet him where he was at. I was the only person in this world that could meet Jeremy Driver where he was at. And if God met me where I was at in a religious institution, in a self-righteous state of mind, if he loved me enough to reach me where I was and change me, then he loved Jeremy enough to reach him where he was. And it just required me surrendering and being adaptable. And it was worth it. So you may be the only person in the world that can meet somebody where they're at. And yes, they may be in the fire. Yes, they may be in the inner prison. God absolutely could reach him without me. I said that that a minute ago. But God chooses to partner with mankind for mankind. It literally takes, (laughs) literally Lexi takes, it literally takes a missionary traveling to a remote tribe for them to be saved. You got to meet them where they're at, okay? People are living in harsh circumstances. People are living in really dangerous places. People are living in in filth. People are living in bondage and he has called a church to meet them where they're at. As scripture says here, Romans 10 verse 11 through 15, Romans 10, 11 through 15. Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame, for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news Who are you supposed to be preaching the love of Jesus Christ to? And are you willing to go into less than convenient, less than ideal circumstances to share what they desperately need to hear? We will never be a church that feels like we're victims. We will never say, God, why have you forsaken us? We will be adaptable because that's what's required. You will never adapt to hell. You will never adapt to hell, so you need to adapt right now and escape hell. The body of Christ started out adaptable and will end adaptable, so there's no such thing as the body of Christ not being adaptable. Therefore, it takes adaptable people to endure to the end, and that's who's saved. You'll never adapt to hell. Okay? You'll never adapt to hell. So if you're not adaptable right now, if everything has to go your way, and everything has to be on your terms, and everything has to filter through what good is it for me, you're going to hell. Because you are your own God adaptability is the acid test. We can call ourselves a church all we want, but if we want to be part of the healthy church, the healthy body of Christ, we have to be adaptable. We cannot look different than the church in the beginning. We cannot look different than the church in the end. It is one body. And if we are out of alignment, we are not part of the body. The body can live without the finger, but the finger can never live without the body. If you're detached from the adaptable body, you're not You're not going to you're not going to go, you're not going to live. I'm trying to be so careful. Where the body's going, he's coming back for his body. And he clearly says, Don't count yourself as saved and comfortable right now. He clearly says, Jesus says, he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And I can promise you endurance demands, requires you to adapt to whatever situation Jesus Christ allows you to walk through. Let's laugh a little bit. The opposite would be what Jensen Franklin labels as the Undertaker Church. Unwilling to be uncomfortable in order to see children and teenagers pulled out of their hellacious environments and set free by the power of Jesus Christ. Unwilling to deal with the ugliness of deliverance. Unwilling to take a risk. Unwilling to go against the flow. Unwilling to take a stand, unwilling to be persecuted, unwilling to deal with the sin mess people are stuck in, unwilling to have your schedule interrupted to have to witness or minister or be there for somebody else. I want Lindsay to stand and I want Robin to stand and I just want y'all to walk right up here. This is what happens in extreme circumstances. Lindsay came to church, I'm sure you don't mind me using your story, about six months ago, she came to church. It was pretty good, but there was nothing keeping her from getting so comfortable that she was able, almost like easy come, easy go. We ministered and and I I know it resonated with her, but she found herself absolutely lost about two-thirds tomorrow will be two weeks ago. And at one o'clock in the morning, I'm on the phone with Lindsay. At two o'clock in the morning, Robin is driving to Lindsay's house. Lindsay was about to kill herself. In fact, we had to have her prove to us that the gun was empty And on the porch before Cameron, thank you for covering your wife so beautifully, would give blessing for his wife to walk into less than ideal environments. Cameron said, I'm willing to sacrifice. I'm willing to wake up in the middle of the night to give my wife blessing to go. Robin said, I'm willing to get in the car at two o'clock in the morning and get to my sister." The circumstance was dire, was it not, Lindsay? And the harvest was right. Robin went over there and evicted that suicidal spirit and whatever other spirit was tormenting Lindsay. Yep. And last Wednesday night, now let me tell you, Lindsay came to church six months ago. She heard about the Holy Ghost. She said, I asked for the Holy Ghost. But until the circumstance got dire and she was in prison and she was willing to go into prison to reach her last Wednesday night, sitting right over there on her knees, maybe even Indian style, speaking in a heavenly language, being baptized in the Holy Ghost. I want everybody to stand right now And I just want you to lift your hands And I want you to say Lord Wherever you are sending me I will preach Wherever you are sending my feet I will preach Robin was the preacher That Lindsay needed You are the preacher That somebody else Needs to hear Give them a hand Give God a hand Lindsay let me tell you he didn't pull you. You don't even look the same. You don't even look the same. And he did not pull you out of that for it's a stop with you. He pulled you out of that. You're going to have feet that carry you into situations like that because they're going to need to speak to somebody that understands exactly where they are. So you're never going back to that same prison, but you will walk into some prisons to pull others out. church that's unwilling or unable to adapt to extreme circumstances will soon die off because bearing fruit requires adaptability I feel the presence of the Lord let's just play for a minute Dave just play come on let the Holy Spirit work right now I don't think I'm going to carry on I think I'm going to stop right now Lex I want you to sing that did you feel the Holy Spirit sweep into this place my next series is the next part of the series is the church as a mother a mother's body must adapt in order to cultivate new life and development and growth within her body. Mothers that don't adapt, either the baby dies or the mother dies. 287,000 women died in childbirth in 2020 because their body could not handle it. Churches that cannot adapt, either they will have no babies or they will kill their babies or they will die. That's where we're going next. It's important. We will let him send us into less than ideal situations. Come on, Lex. My life is not my own. Unless you come. Unless you come. Come on, you tell him. I'm not my own right now. I am yours. I'll adapt to wherever you're sending me. I will not see myself as a victim. It's all you,
1: you love the lost just will like you love me. me here again? I'll meet them where they're at. I'm not enough. Unless you come. Will you meet me here again? You've never
0: been forsaken. He's just put you in it to win it
1: all I want is all
0: So I'm going to say this, as he lets you go into tough situations, don't look for how quick you can get out of it. I want you to declare there, the Lord is in this place. I want you to minister to the jailer there. I want you to reach an entire household there. And I don't want you anymore to say, God, why am I forsaken? I want you to declare, I'm not forsaken. The
1: Lord is in situation. The Lord
0: to pray. But why do we have to have a lesson on adaptability? Because we're growing faster than we've ever grown before. And it's, it's going to require adaptability on the part of the church body to accommodate new growth. Your parking is going to be different. The lobby's going to be crowded. You're going to lose your seat. Access to the pastors is gonna be less. The pressure to help is greater because the harvest is greater. There's a line in the restroom. The older generation has to deal with lights and different music. The younger generation has to deal with us trying to help the older generation and pull out songs like, I'll cherish the old rugged cross. But the opposite of adapting is this. Use me when I wanna be used, where I wanna be used, how I want to be used, when I want to be used. I'll be your partner, Lord, but I have to sign off on the date, the time, the place, and the plan. And that's not the body of Christ at all. I'm asking us all, it's 8 o'clock, I'm asking us all right now to repent. For without realizing it, making everything about us. And then I want us all to surrender to him and say, you say when, you say where. You say how and you say why and I'm all in. I'm all in. Come on, y'all keep singing. And I want everybody just lift your voice right now. Repent. Repent. And then you say it. Lord. You say when. You say how. You say where. Into a three day revival. I don't know when, and I don't know with who, and we're not going to have any notice. There will be no notice. It's just going to be bam, three day revival. And you're going to have to adapt to it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. He's already spoken it, He's already planned it, and we don't even know about it. And we won't get notice. In February, we're going to fast. For three weeks, however the Lord leads you to fast, we're going to have to adapt, but we're going to do it. We're all in. We're all in. We're all in. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go. Lord bless
1: you.